0: Hello everyone, welcome to our regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast, where as usual we will be answering questions on meditation practice in Buddhism, with priority given to questions about one's own practice in our tradition.
1: So if you haven't learned about meditation in our tradition, we recommend that you Follow the link at the bottom of the screen. It should also be in the description, I think. You can read our How to Meditate booklet. We have an at-home course on uh, in, in the practice of meditation where you meet with a teacher once
0: a week. And you can always come and do a course at our new center in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. For those of you who are familiar well you're welcome to post
1: your questions in the chat as usual at any time first 15 minutes will be silent meditation gives us a chance to prepare the questions
0: and organize them and to prepare ourselves mentally for the upcoming session to make it wholesome and beneficial for all so silent meditation now until 15 minutes after the hour. Okay, we're back. So from here, we'll close the chat to anything but questions. they welcome to post questions at any time. And we'll have them organized and Chris will be answering them. And we have Jim and Rahid in the chat moderating and they, we do have questions from the community Here we go
2: I am struggling with ADHD's symptoms of not being able to take necessary action there is habitual procrastination and resistance how do I
0: break the pattern and do the work as needed so the work is 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 breaking the
1: pattern um so you m- might think about a, a
0: slight shift in your perspective um because breaking the pattern isn't
1: is it, first of all it isn't something that's getting in the, that that needs to be done before you practice but also it doesn't come about directly in other words, there's no means by which you break a pattern directly. The practice is understanding. It's about observation and objectivity. So you observe the pattern. You observe the um, the activities that make up the pattern. So observe your state of mind that that you call procrastination because procrastination isn't precise. It isn't exactly what's happening. It isn't, it isn't the reality. The reality is there are moments of experience. There can be desire. There can be aversion. There can be worry and fear and guilt and all these things. So... They have to become the object of awareness not with the idea of changing them or getting rid of them your perspective has to be objective so you can see them clearly because only when you objectively know that they're bad and so it can't be a an aversion to them but once you objectively know they're bad your mind starts to let go of them your mind starts to change its habits and um Kind of at the same time, the mindfulness itself becomes a habit that just natu- naturally replaces your bad habits. So, or, or it's maybe saying the same thing in different ways. So, to say it in a different way is that mindfulness becomes the habitual uh, practice. And because mindfulness is objective, then there's no aversion to doing bad things, doing uh, difficult things, or doing necessary things, or that sort of thing. So try and try and take it as an object of, of practice. If you haven't read our booklet, read the booklet. You can do our at-home course and maybe even think about coming to do an
0: intensive course at our center. I was riding in a car with
2: my dad. I didn't want to lose the concentrate on the risings and fallings, but I also wanted to enjoy looking at the beautiful landscape. How can I
0: have both? Okay. Well, we need to have a little conversation about what what um, meditation Buddhism is all about. Meditation is all about. Um, so, how to dissect this? I don't teach. I guess approach it from this angle. I
1: don't teach how to um, how to successfully maintain desire for things the buddha didn't teach that the buddhism isn't that sort of teaching so you've come to the wrong person to get advice on how to do what you want to do um our our, our assessment of this and and why i would say that's not the sort of thing we teach is that wanting leads to addiction and addiction leads to disappointment it leads to partiality, and it leads to fr- frustration. It can lead to aggression. It leads to anger issues and that sort of thing. Mostly, it leads to suffering. So, even not wanting to lose concentration can fall under that category. So, both of your wantings are 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 bad are are causes for suffering for you. I mean, it's just the addiction cycle. There's nothing mysterious about it. It's just how addiction works. You can't have wanting without the eventual. Uh, addiction and, and needing of things—you you can't keep up with the unpredictable nature of life. It's why there's so much stress and suffering in the world. Is because we don't get always get what we want, and so our wanting is out of touch with reality. And because we're out of touch with reality, we suffer. We we uh, we give rise to all sorts of things—not just aversion, but also fear and worry and
0: guilt and that sort of thing so the advice would be to note the wanting
1: note the liking of the beautiful landscape of the landscape which is not actually beautiful but that's a, a a judgment based on the liking of it when we like things we call them beautiful so it's just the liking and the landscape is what it is whether you like it or not to note the liking um you can note the worry about um Losing your concentration, you can note the liking of that if you like it, or the wanting to keep it, that sort of thing. That's all part of meditation practice.
0: But uh, if you're looking for advice
1: on how to keep the things you want, there's nothing I can tell you. It's not even just that we don't teach it, it's just that it's not possible. It's not a valid long term strategy, it's not the way out of suffering or the way to peace, the way to
0: happiness. If you want to be happy, your happiness has to be independent of your experiences. You have to be at peace no matter what you experience or don't experience. That's the only way. It's the only even logical way if you think about it. Do you have any tips for keeping up with a meditation schedule while doing some traveling? I mean it's hard to say
1: just by the word traveling it depends very much on your traveling schedule so like there's no mystery no matter what you're doing traveling not traveling working not working do you have the time to to do the meditation so it's much more about taking the time that you have because if you don't have the if you don't have the time well then there's nothing to say right i don't have any advice On how to magically make the time but if you have the time to
0: take the time that's the real skill to to not be sidetracked by other things so the
1: traveling itself is a bit of a a bit of a red herring i mean it's not not the important thing here the question is your commitment to the practice as opposed to your commitment to other things maybe sightseeing for people who are touristing or that sort of thing so i mean it, it it's not the end of the world if you your practice re- is reduced during traveling that's uh, that's to be expected i mean the buddha himself or no the in the visuddhimaga it says uh, ad- adhanang adhanang is one of the
0: you know, one of the ten obstacles to meditation then adhanang means travel Ava socha kulang labo a gan- kam- uh, Ava socha kulang labo kanop ka mancha
1: panchamang. Adanang yati abado ganto idi de dasati. Those are the ten pali bodha, the ten obstacles to meditation
0: practice. One of them is travel. So, you can just pick it up when you finish your traveling,
1: but it certainly is possible to do it when you're traveling. It's just much likely,
0: likely much harder to keep up the commitment and not be distracted or make excuses, that sort of thing. I need stimulation for work and study. Caffeine, techno music,
2: L-tyrosine, exercise. Mindfulness helps observe bored, distracted, aversion, but doesn't help motivation. Should I abandon daily stimulation?
1: Uh, well, I think you can separate those out. I don't know about the techno music. See, the problem with that is the 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 liking of it, you know. It's not just giving you energy. It's um music is problematic for the uh, ad- addiction part, the attachment part. I mean, all those other things could be addictive as well, but probably more easier to be objective. I appreciate people's need for caffeine. Um, it probably isn't good in the long term. Their studies show that it's not good for your brain and that sort of thing. But I can appreciate that the short-term gain is, is significant, good for
0: work and study. No question. But. Uh, you know mindfulness is no slouch, and it's quite possible to rely on mindfulness in some ways, I mean mindfulness isn't going to give you the chemicals stimulus that caffeine is uh, probably exercise is the healthiest out of all those, so if exercise helps you you can you can of course be mindful when exercising that's the great thing there. Um, so, no, I, I don't think you necessarily have to abandon those things uh, in the short term. In the long term, you may think someday to dedicate yourself to the practice, and then you
1: have to, of course, abandon work and study as well. So, for someone who is living in the world with work and study, that's it's not oh, that, none of that is unreasonable as long as you are not
0: doing. I don't know what L tyrosine is. That sounds like a protein. I don't know, but um, as long as you're not taking psychoactive drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing, doesn't sound like you're engaging in anything really unwholesome. So I wouldn't worry about it. I am frequently distracted in meditation.
2: Since distraction is a hindrance, can I still have insight from it? Like seeing non self? Should I go back to the abdomen after some time of distraction?
1: Well, you should note distracted, distracted first, but but yes, go back to the rising and falling. I don't know if you've done our at home course, but that might be a good way to get into the more advanced sort of techniques. I mean they're they're not anything mysterious, it's just more complex, more more strenuous techniques that help to uh, focus the mind more but uh, yeah it certainly does help you to see non-self i mean it's a process you become less distracted over time and through that process you also see the non-self aspect of distraction that it's not you being distracted you're not actively
0: choosing every moment to be distracted it's it's uncontrollable When is it reasonable to do more sitting or even skip walking without cultivating aversion? I don't understand what it has to do with cultivating aversion. Like in the sense you
1: don't like to do walking? Is That, that, that sounds like maybe what you're saying. So if if you were to avoid it it would be cultivating that aversion. Well, if it's just because you don't want to do walking, that's not a, that's never a good reason. That's ne- it's never reasonable to avoid something just cuz you don't like it. Um so I think it might be reasonable to do more sitting if you walk a lot during the day or or do heavy physical labor during the, the day. For the Atom course we are pretty strict though. We require half and half a base of half and half starting at one hour a day. And if you want, so if you want to do extra, you might just do some
0: sitting if the walking, you know, if all you can do is half an hour of walking a day, that's fine. If wrong views arise,
2: like believing in self, seeking pleasure is good, idle chatter, lust, alcohol, etc., Should we just note thinking, wandering, confused, wanting? Is reasoning and reflection required? So it doesn't sound,
1: you have to be able to distinguish between wrong thoughts and wrong views. Like if you have a a thought that there is a self, it's not really a wrong view until you believe it. Right? If you have the idea that seeking pleasure is good, it, it is just an idea until you believe it. So, yes, when you note those thoughts as thinking, wondering, wondering, I guess what you're trying to say, confused, wanting, even doubting, and all those things, you're seeing them as they are and they're not becoming views. Views can't really arise like that when you're mindful because you're not seeing them as. Um, As right or as as even a belief, you're not seeing them as um, in in a uh, partial way where yes, this is the right thing to think. So if the thought arises, yes, this pleasure is good, and maybe you like the thought, maybe you think the thought is right. Instead, when you instead of encouraging that or clinging to that or saying yeah, this is right thought, you you take it just as a thought and so on. So nothing ever becomes your view, which is why. The Buddha often omitted the word wrong when he talked about views, because honestly, mindfulness is kind of devoid of views. The Buddha talked about something called right view. But if you look at it, it's, and you really study it a little bit, you you start to see that, oh yeah, it's not really about having a view at all. It's just about seeing clearly. And so you don't need a view to see clearly. And seeing clearly doesn't what well, kind of leads to it? What looks like a view, but it more—it's—it's it's much more just an ability to describe reality, right? It's not—it's not I believe X, Y, and Z. It's oh yeah, I've experienced X, Y, and Z, and and so to tell me that they're not true is kind of absurd because I've experienced them, and that's what I experienced. So you never need those—you never need any view in mindfulness. That's sort of what it looks like, and therefore every view that arises, you can safely just note as thinking.
0: You don't have to worry if it's true or not true, because you'll see what's true. Well, it depends what you mean, like more than what, right? I think a person
1: who is is comfortable and sort of of settled in the meditation practice, like established is a good word, established in the meditation practice shouldn't need more than six hours a night. So if you mean by more than six hours a night, well, I guess it depends what you're doing. If you're doing intense physical labor, maybe intense mental labor, maybe, but even those for someone who is mindful, they shouldn't drain you too much to the point where you need more than six hours or say maybe some days seven you can go up to seven if you want and then maybe other days down to five but an average of six even for someone living in the world isn't unreasonable provided they are mindful ordinary people need so much more and scientists will
0: tell you you need so much more because we're just not very mindful our minds are not very efficient. Oh, did you not even ask that? I heard Chris. Did nobody else hear Chris ask the question? Well, I was it's on the screen anyway. I was muted at the time, Bhante. You would have heard me, but the audience would not. Uh, okay. Well, they can read it. Why don't uh, desires such as wanting no, to eat... Wait, are, hmm. are we finished with that one? We're finished when you're finished, Bhante. Go back for a second, let me see. You are. It takes me a second to see it. I think now I'll ask it aloud. I often experience
2: tiredness and drowsiness during meditation, even stumbling during walking or nodding off when sitting. Is it beneficial to sleep more in the short term? Yeah. So, so
1: you know, still, no, six hours is about right. Um, try and get to the point where six hours is okay for you. If it's not enough for you, then okay, yes, in the short term not necessarily better but reasonable and just think of it as a a sort of a a litmus test or um, an indicator when six hours becomes comfortable that's a sign that you're progressing i don't know if you've done our at-home course maybe do do that and maybe even hey think about doing an intensive course at our center you'll find uh, that helps you establish yourself in the practice and that should that should help i don't know maybe it's it's hard to i guess it's hard to say without knowing exactly where you're at in the long term it really shouldn't be an issue and of course meditators even after they've done these courses still can from time to time feel drowsy and tired but they shouldn't generally have a problem with it it shouldn't really be a thing about sleeping more than six hours. honestly when you get really when you're really into
0: being mindful four or five hours is, is standard why don't desires such as wanting to eat drink or teach meditation cause rebirth well they do any desire will lead to rebirth any wanting will lead to rebirth will not necessarily will
1: but um yeah if there is still at the moment of death if there is still uh, potential for desire then desire will arise and lead to rebirth so so no desire during this life leads directly to rebirth of course except in the sense of leading to something but at the moment of death desire at the moment of death leads to rebirth and it's not just about by chance not having any desire because it will come up when you die like everything flashes before your eyes and it all gets condensed and all that really continues you is is your potential for desire it's like they say it's like a fire that is carried by the wind from the roof of a the thatch roof of a house to a nearby tree or a tree to the thatch roof of a house carried by the wind like the mind the mind is carried in the same
0: way from one life to the next by desire what sort of qualification should one have to be authorized to create a space that teaches
2: the meditation technique you teach i'm thinking of creating one here in my city in brazil that's a good question.
1: Um, you probably have you may have heard about our mentorship program. We have a program set up on our Discord server. It's not it's not any big thing, it's just we meet once a month to talk about these sorts of things. So anybody who's interested, you're welcome to join. It's the first Sunday of every month at 8 a.m. Eastern on our Discord server in the mentorship program channel, wherever that is. You can find more information on our website about the Discord channel at the Discord server, I think you're not there already. So, um honestly, the bare minimum is having read the booklet in my mind. If you've read the booklet, um you're certainly welcome to teach what's in it. Now, that's probably um probably ridiculous uh, because you, you I mean, that bare minimum. If you haven't read the booklet, don't do it of course, but that's just a silly thing to say. You should, of course, be practicing yourself. I think that pretty much goes without saying. You don't need that; doesn't need to be said. Of course, you have to be practicing according to the booklet. According to the booklet, yourself, and probably the the right way to do it is to at least have done an at home course in our tradition, and then you wouldn't be at that point qualified or let's say capable of teaching the at-home course just because you've taken it but the thing is that makes you really able to teach what's explicitly in the booklet and that's what i would do is teach what's in the booklet that's i mean it's so set up it's set up so well that you don't need to do any you don't need to go any further you Suppose you set up this group and you got people interested and you you showed them you know just even demonstrate for them how to do the mindful prostration how to do the walking how to do the sitting. And if they're interested in it what send them along. We have an at-home course they can do anywhere in the world. Help them sign up for it. Show them the site, even help them bring them to the website and sign them up and that sort of thing. And we'll take we'll take it from there. So you don't really need much. But I would recommend doing the at-home course. It gives you a really solid, well, okay, it gives you a, a basic foundation in this meditation practice, but a really solid foundation on the basics that you can then teach. Teach what's in the booklet. Just show people how to do it, and if they pick it up and find it uh, helpful, then pass them along.
0: Send them along to do the at-home course. Maybe even to come and do an intensive course with us. I have feelings for someone and want to take action. As I
2: understand, I should note wanting, then not act. It seems wrong for me to isolate myself and avoid contact when this would make me happier.
1: Uh, Spoiler, uh, romantic relationships don't actually make you happier, unfortunately. i mean friendships do and the problem is that romance is is not the problem but the complication is that romance is often part of romance is friendship right and so that's the part that keeps us thinking that it's actually beneficial but friendships are what is beneficial friendships are the friend the quote unquote love uh and as opposed to the romantic part which is attachment so if you were to separate those two words and Give them distinct meanings one would be love would be referring to the friendship side and attachment would be referring to the romantic side attachment isn't isn't valuable or helpful um but really you don't have to go as far as not acting it doesn't really help because you're not really in charge it just doesn't work that way you'll find yourself saying yeah i'm going to say wanting and not acting and you will act still you will you'll you'll revolt I mean unless you can find your, you can keep yourself in an envi- environment away from the things that you want but even that of course is only temporary so mindfulness isn't about doing or not doing it's about mindfulness it's about noting when you want something to say wanting wanting when you like something to say liking when you feel happy to say happy happy when you feel sad to say sad sad it's not so much about the acting or not acting it's not really about that at all There is a benefit to putting yourself in a situation where you're not tempted to act, but that's much more reasonable than trying to not
0: act when you're in a situation where you're tempted to act. Like if you come to a meditation center, of course, there are rules
1: against those things because it's reasonable to have those rules. It's not really reasonable in the world, unless you're in a special situation, to Uh, deny those things but it is uh, unfortunately the truth that it's not actually going to make you happy nothing will make us nothing can make
0: us happy no thing has the power to make us happy happiness has to be independent of things how to deal with self-blame and perfectionism
2: they create physical sensations And it is really hard to be with them as they don't go away.
1: Well, things are not hard to be with because they don't go away. They're hard to be with because you don't like them.
0: So the goal of mindfulness is to remove that dislike by seeing that it's not worth it. The things that you are clinging to, you're obsessing over,
1: are not worth clinging to, are not worth obsessing over. Things that you want are not worth wanting. When you see clearly, you'll see that. So mindfulness is just about observing objectively, so you can see clearly. But be clear—it's not about things not going away. That's uh, that's um that's misunderstanding. That's wrong view. That's uh, wrong perspective. Mindfulness involves facing your ex- your your qualities facing experiences rather than trying to change them or fix them or that sort of thing so absolutely physical sensations are never going to be a problem no matter if they are painful physical sensations they're still just sensations so when you feel something in the body you just say feeling if you dislike the feeling disliking when you feel mental emotions of anger towards yourself that's just anger or disliking when you have perfectionism that's the reality of it is probably something like wanting or fear or worry even that you're not going to be perfect but it can it's very much the, the core of it is i think very much wanting so you're not wanting wanting or liking when you do succeed that's sort of thing. disliking when you don't succeed it's not about changing any of that it's about seeing it clearly the change comes from seeing clearly so just try and if you read our booklet try and do the at home course and
0: just learn how to face rather than change fix in progress in insight meditation
2: eventually cause an attitude of indifference to one's own life or does it only bring peace so those two things aren't mutually exclusive
1: uh, in, in It's all in the language, because the way you describe it, it's somewhat pejorative, right? Indifference towards one's own life is technically, yeah, there, what's wrong with being indifferent to your own life? The only reason that would be technically wrong is if you have the view that there's some value to your life, like my life has some value or some purpose or some meaning, when there's nothing that suggests that at all. Life just happens. doesn't need a meaning to happen. We give things meaning. We we identify with them. It's me. It's my life. And we create narratives. But there's nothing intrinsic to that. Life doesn't need your permission to continue. It continues regardless. So it's impossible to have peace as long as you're uh, whatever the opposite of indifferent is. As long as you are um still partial and vulnerable to things not going your way to things not going according to your expectations so technically indifference would be freedom from that except we wouldn't call it indifference we might call it equanimity we might call it objectivity we might
0: call it freedom from attachment freedom from clinging freedom from obsession Freedom from expectation. It involves being in the present moment, living now, here, now. When I notice myself liking something, should I make a note of liking or the object of liking? So at the moment when you notice yourself liking, you should definitely notice note the
1: liking. But those, that's only part of the experience. That's only some moments. When you experience things that you would normally like, you should note the experience, seeing or hearing or thinking or feeling or whatever it is. Because if you do that, you can actually prevent the arising of liking. You, you change the causal chain from this arises and and then liking arises to this arises
0: and then mindfulness arises acknowledgement of it arises right it's a different chain of events how do you stop feeding into anxiety and just feeling dizzy and off balance well anything like that is a habit so it's a pattern of behavior that develops over
1: time you develop new patterns of behavior relating to the anxiety it's kind of like you just wade in there in the thick of it and you muck around and start creating new patterns of behavior anytime you note anxious anxious you're changing the pattern of behavior and every time you feel dizzy or off balance well i mean honestly feeling dizzy or off balance are not a problem But there's going to be a chain of causality there probably of disliking, worry, fear. When you worry about such things or afraid of such things or you dislike such things. But the things dizzy and off balance are not problems. They're just feelings. But the anxiety is certainly a problem. I mean, it's a cause of suffering. So certainly want to be vigilant about that when you're anxious. Make sure you're noting it
0: and noting the physical sensations as well. Is it beneficial to try and abstain from indulgences we are addicted to before we have
2: progressed to the point of letting them go?
1: Yes, I think in moderation, you shouldn't, I mean, insofar as you can, the problem is that it's not easy to just quit things cold turkey without a support group. It's why like things like AA exist and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Addicts Anonymous, that sort of thing, why do they exist? Because You need a support group so you know if you really want to overcome such things a support group is is very helpful but it's not exactly the support i mean it's not specifically the support group it's the environment you need to be in a situation where you're able you're supported to cultivate more wholesome responses or you're not uh you're not inclined i mean there are ways to just cultivate self-discipline it's just it's beyond most people so the buddha said support is really everything it's about being in a supportive environment and the buddha had a lot to say about creating a supportive environment and there's a lot of of, uh doctrine around creating a community that is supportive and Maintaining a community, a supportive community environment, and so as a result, monks have a lot of
0: rules in, to, to support that. So you know, it's not it's not just about abstaining from them. It's about cultivating
1: better uh, perspectives through mindfulness, and about creating a
0: or, or cultivating a supportive environment that encourages it but yeah don't be afraid of abstaining just be clear that it's not as easy as
1: just wanting to stop and stopping because you want to stop or stopping because you
0: want want to try to stop you want to want to stop that sort of thing What are the vipassana jhanas, and do they differ from the vipassana you teach? No. I mean, they are part of what we teach.
1: I mean, we, we don't talk about them too much. Jhana is just, it's such a point of obsession for people. I mean, understandably, the Buddha did talk about it, but it becomes too much of a buzzword. Um, buzzwords are not good when something becomes an it's we reify things and the jhanas are probably one of the most reified things in buddhism well i mean karma is maybe another example we reify karma as this thing that hangs over our heads but we do it also with the jhanas jhanas are reified and there's so much argument about these things It, it used to be or maybe still is just this Hot topic of debate among Theravada Buddhists, and nobody can agree on what exactly the jhanas are. Uh, even among those people who say the samatha jhanas are necessary, they still don't agree what the jhanas that samatha jhanas are, um, or or that the, the that there's samatha jhanas and there's vipassana jhanas and that sort of thing. It's funny because the commentary doesn't talk about jhanas. It, 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 when it talks about vipassana jhana, it, it uses another form of the word called jan- janito, uh, lakkanupani janito, uh, some uh, aramanupani janito, meaning uh, meditating on an object, not not a, a jhana as a thing, but janito, which is a f- verbal, it's a participle form. So jhana is not a thing; it's it's a it's a noun form of a root, the root ja in regards to meditating. I guess I think there's other words for it, like that's something to do with fire or something. But no, it's in regards to meditating. The root is in regards to meditating. So don't reify these things. The Buddha, the Buddha reified them. He talked about four four jhanas, but they're so um, when the Buddha talks about them, they're so simple. And I think it's a mistake to reify them. So it's not fair to say he reified them. It's more like he talked about four levels of meditation. And because what are they? They are just qualities of mind. And the main um salient quality of anything that you might call a jhana is that it's free you from the five hindrances. So it's not about the jhana, it's about freeing yourself from the five hindrances. And whatever allows you to do that could be called jhana. Don't don't get obsessed about it as as a thing that you are either in or you're not you are either in or you're not but why because you either have the five hindrances or you don't i mean in an ultimate sense any moment that you don't have the five hindrances maybe that's not quite fair but te- it it's just that you can get into um a stream of consciousness that is more than just a moment that doesn't have the hindrances and there are reasons why that happens i mean there there's a quality of mind that prevents the hindrances from arising, and any quality of mind that prevents the hindrances from from arising is a is a candidate to be called proper meditation practice. you see the word jhana doesn't is just it doesn't have any exterior meaning it's just proper meditation. You're not properly meditating until you've reached that state of being free from the hindrances or or the state that prevents the hindrances from arising and vipassana vipassana meditation absolutely leads you to that state
0: it's just a little bit different from how samatha meditation does it i think we've come to five minutes to the hour i think it's time okay. to the
2: stop for today
1: yeah, I have a meeting with me- local meditators in five minutes, so we'll stop there. If your question didn't get answered and you think it was a valid, practical question, then uh, well, you're welcome to take the at-home course, and you can ask me directly, one-on-one, or uh, save it for next
0: week. No shame in asking again next week. Wish you all the best, everyone. Thank you for your questions. Thank you, Chris and Jim and Rahid for your help and have a good week everyone Sadhu. Saad